0: Welcome to another edition of Reflections, the Lightyear podcast. My name is Auke, and joining me from Lightyear is Tom, Head of Business Development. Today, we have a special guest, Miriam Daly. She's a member of the European Parliament, working on the energy transition, but perhaps you can best introduce yourself, Miriam. Uh,
1: Hello to to both of you, um, and thank you for this opportunity. Well, I am... I'm a member of the European Parliament. I come from the island of Malta. Uh, I am also the vice president for the Social Democrats and I'm responsible of the European Green Deal. Um, As you know, we're working a lot on the European Green Deal um, at the moment. And I'm sure that we'll have a lot of work in the coming um, months on this. I've been working on car legislation for the past years as well. Uh, I was the Parliament rapporteur on the CO2 legislation um, for passenger cars and light commercial vehicles, and our aim was to reduce CO2 emissions from these cars post 2020. And I'm also working as shadow rapporteur on the real driving emission legislation that we have just voted in the European Environment Committee. Uh, A few days ago So that's you know A brief A brief introduction
0: And as I told you We're always doing The Fast 15 Which is a series of 15 fast questions And if you're ready Let's kick it off Yes sure So what did you have For breakfast this morning? Uh, Shake Who's your biggest inspiration?
1: My parents
0: What show or series Are you currently watching?
1: Last Man Standing And Swat
0: Meat, vegetarian or vegan?
1: Vegetarian.
0: The happiest moment in your life?
1: When my kids were born.
0: Brussels or Strasbourg? Brussels. Ooh. Uh, your most played song?
1: In your eyes.
0: Talking or listening? Listening. What is your current car? Mercedes. When traveling to Brussels, what do you always take with you?
1: My AirPods and my iPad.
0: Favourite dish from Malta?
1: Timpana. Uh, but I have to explain this. So it is like pasta with uh, red sauce. We bake it and we put it inside pastry. But it's amazing. The combination together is amazing.
0: That sounds delicious. What is on top of your bucket list?
1: Travelling to some remote island.
0: Your greatest fear?
1: And then got
0: alone. Beach or mountains? Beach. Ambitious or realistic? Ambitious and realistic. Ah, and, great <laughs> nice. answer.
2: That's how we know you actually, uh, Mirjam, for both being ambitious and realistic at the same time.
1: It's important.
2: <laughs> Quick introduction of myself for the podcast listeners. I'm not Noortje, but I'm Tom Selter. I work at uh, Lightyear. I know Miriam now for a few months and she's been very helpful for a light year. And I was very, very uh, amazed by the work you did, actually, on the legislation. Uh, I think we want to start first on that topic. And actually, you already said it in your introduction, you did an amazing job. Can you explain a bit about what you actually did um, a few years ago on this uh, legislation part for CO2 emissions? Sure. Um, So we had
1: this uh, regulation, um it was a review of previous legislations, because, as you know, we had already um some limits on how much cars could emit c o two There was a whole scandal um around that when it was found out that cars were emitting much. Um, more on the road than they were doing in the laboratory, but there were standards that needed to be um, upheld. Then the European Commission wanted to move from what is known as the NEDC to the WLTP, um, which is uh, how they are going to start also measuring um, these standards in cars. But uh, this legislation was for um, CO2 uh, being emitted from passenger cars, and like commercial vehicles after 2020, because the legislation that was previously there covered the period until 2020. So we needed to come up with um, targets that were ambitious, but also realistic, because you know as much as I do that when it comes to any industry, when you have also workers involved in the different industries and you have the competitiveness of a whole continent, you need to make sure that you balance out all the different aspects. So the final result, it wasn't easy to arrive um, at that final result, was that in December of 2018, we managed to reach a deal with the member states where um, we said that cars on our roads will emit 37.5% less CO2 from the period 2030 onwards. And it is 31% for Vans and 15% less CO2 for the period from 2025 to 2029.
0: As a solar car manufacturer, the fact that we want to reduce CO2 emission is very obvious. And the fact that other parties are having cars on the road that can actually pull us off is very clear. So why is this industry so resistant to to actually adopt this new uh, perspective? What what is holding them back, so to say, in your view?
1: From all the meetings I held, it was it, it came really clearly um, out that you have an industry that for a very long time invested in fossil fuel technology. So you have an industry that for a very long time invested in petrol and diesel technology, and they. Wanted to keep on investing in that technology. At least that is what, from my perspective, I was understanding. Apart from the from from the fact that many people are resistant to change, and sometimes industry, if they are, you know, um, producing certain products and they get profit from those products, why change a model that is working for them? But the reality is that um, there needs to be much more awareness when it comes to the environmental aspect, particularly the climate aspect. And it's also about innovation. Um, and here, it is not only about the industry itself, but also about policy makers, because um, I think for far too long, even the European Union hasn't invested a lot um, in research, in innovation, um, in technological development. And when you do not invest a lot in innovative ideas, then you continue, you know, going around with, with the same technologies that you were using before. Now, this legislation is not even saying at this point in time, um, change all your models and make sure that all the models are EVs or zero emission vehicles. What it says, it says from your whole fleet of vehicles, make sure that the whole fleet together, you can reduce CO2 emissions. So it would mean that a car manufacturer will have a mix of more efficient internal combustion engine cars, um, low emission vehicles like plug-in hybrids and zero emission vehicles. And I never speak about electric vehicles. I speak about zero emission vehicles because I believe that there will be so much development in so many different technologies. So Lightyear is one case in point um, where you can come up with new technologies that can help us have on our roads vehicles that are zero emission
2: so that's i think a great bridge Miriam to also your role within the committee of industry research and energy Uh, you're not only doing legislation on automotive but you're also very much aware of the uh, technology in europe and how we can improve it and actually how would you see to how should europe actually help to accelerate these technologies where you are talking about?
1: It's all about investing money in the right direction. So um, you, we can speak a lot about being innovative and about making sure that we have the technological advancements that are required. But if we do not invest money there, then we will never arrive at a point where we have the technology that can actually deliver the results that we want with the Green Deal. And I'm all the time linking this with the European Green Deal, because I think and honestly believe that this is the way forward. We need to be innovative. We need to give space to technology that can deliver, but we need to make sure that um, at the same time, this um, technology, but these industries that can help us deliver the European Green Deal are competitive, that we protect workers, and make sure that there is social protection along the way. And at the same time, ensure that there is climate and environmental benefits.
2: But the argument, Miriam of of these companies is like, yeah, you're going to steal our jobs, the automotive industry, you need to support them. And um, we need to have job security at the same time. We need to uh, invest in new companies like Lightyear, which has, of course, we have 120 people working at us, but it's not like the same as uh, the German automotive industry has. Not yet. Not Not yet. yet, not yet.
1: You're 100% right. So let me take the first part of your statement because when I was negotiating the CO2 legislation, I remember um, the industry itself telling me that jobs will be threatened. And obviously, they were relaying this message also to their workforce, who was concerned. So I remember having loads of meetings as well with um, trade union representatives um, because there was this concern of people losing jobs. But it was really positive to hear from workers' representatives from certain companies and also trade union representatives that they were understanding that other continents were taking the lead. And they were understanding as well that if their own company was, by the way, investing in zero emission vehicles outside of the EU, but retaining ICE vehicles inside of the EU, so the workers were realizing what was happening as well. And they were realizing that if they were not going to push also the company to go in a different direction, they were going to be stuck with ICE vehicles in the EU and other continents taking advantage um, over the European Union as a whole.
0: But, um, but talking about change, let's, let's take the elephant in the room. There's, there's of course one American company that, that is disrupting, you could say, the industry which first became more valuable than Volkswagen, uh, now actually became more valuable than Toyota. And actually, but I, I believe uh, given the recent run, uh, of course, we're talking about Tesla. Uh, they, they are uh, as valuable as five or six major car corporations uh, added uh, together. And of course, sort of the, the multiples that they're talking about uh, in terms of, of their real sales and the actual valuation, it's, it's, it's going through the roof. Of course, there's the news of the, uh, of the Berlin uh, factory. Um, do you think that, that these types of developments are, are, are sort of... Are they give, giving you sort of ammunition t- to raise the ambition uh, for Europe to perform on these CO2 uh, uh, targets?
1: No, definitely. So one of my um, strongest arguments was always, I do not want to see other continents Taking the competitive edge over the EU because the EU many times um, boasts about a very strong automotive industry, but we need to adapt to, to time and you need to adapt to new innovative technologies. It's useless doing the same products of 10, 20, 30 years ago when you see other continents, you know, taking the lead, which brings me to the second part of your statement. We have, um, like Lightyear, new innovative companies that okay at this point in time you said you have like 20 employees but you know it's a startup
2: 120 One, 100 more but it's still small <laughs>
1: 120 sorry i, I forgot I, I didn't hear the, the the first bit um but you know it's yes, it's still small but every company um starts from from being a small company and um, it has to find investors it has to find the money to actually roll out models um more commercially. But it depends also where the European wants
0: to go. Perhaps also coming back to my earlier point. As you were mentioning, some other continents are sort of at this point leading the charge. And I haven't even mentioned the Chinese or Asian manufacturers that are, are, are gaining momentum. Uh, what should we do as Europe to... To retain, of course, we, we have traditionally been at the forefront of any aspect of, of car manufacturing, you could say. So what is what is going to be, what's going to save uh, our industry? And, and what should we do in order to retain sort of a competitive edge in this in this marketplace?
1: Embrace change, because many times, I, I feel like uh, we are very much um, resistant to change. Right. And understanding also the market.
0: And it's actually, thanks by the way, from mentioning solar uh, solar vehicles, because as a matter of fact, of course, we're particularly interested in those. I, m- I mean, when you heard about us uh, and heard about Lightyear, I mean, of course, you're even willing to help out with, uh, with a podcast. What is your perspective on this? What was your first
2: idea when you heard about Lightyear?
1: So when I heard about the solar vehicles, for me, it was... Um, The idea that I was always pushing for but seeing it coming um, in reality because I remember when I was negotiating the CO2 legislation and people were telling me, but this is only about electric cars and you are choosing one technology over the other. I was saying, no way. I'm speaking about zero emission vehicles. I do not care what kind of technology is used um, to deliver zero emission vehicles. If it is... Through electricity, if it is through solars, if it is through any other kind of technology, but as long as I have zero emission vehicles, what I'm interested in a vehicle that when it is out on the road, it is not emitting toxic pollutants. So when I saw um, your vehicle, a solar vehicle, I saw the video and I saw how it was like. Um, uh, being driven and everything, I was like, you know, this is the answer to to what I was uh, thinking about and speaking about when I was um, negotiating this legislation. Because I'm a firm believer that when you negotiate something for the 10 years to come, you can't only think with what we know today. Technology is advancing so rapidly and I hear about so many Um, ideas, so many pilot projects, there is enormous potential. And in the European Union, we have enormous potential. I wouldn't want us to um, lose that talent that doesn't find an opportunity within our continent and they go and find an opportunity elsewhere.
0: And how could a company like Lightyear help at the European level to... Accelerate the change because effectively we're not just in the business of building cars. We believe in the vision of, of actually accelerating the transition to, well, beyond sustainable mobility. So, so how could a company like ours, should we be more present in Brussels or, or, or in what way can we help people to, to open their eyes? Because effectively that's what we believe that is necessary still.
1: Make your voice heard, bring um, your case to the fore being present there, get your vehicle there so people can try it out.
2: We will bring our vehicle. That's a good one.
1: (laughs) And understand, because many times, you know, people are resistant to something that they haven't even tried. And the moment that they try something, they realize that, yes, actually, you know, this can work. And yes, there is the technology. Someone is thinking about it. Someone is working on it. So it's not some fantasy somewhere in some policymaker's mind. But it is actually happening on the ground. And I think that would be the strongest message to pass, to be honest.
0: Before you have to go, um, we have a number of questions from our crowd. And I wanted to address these, and I also wanted to discuss sort of your plans for the future because that's that's going to be exciting. So, so we have two questions that we selected. So, Matthijs van Schijndel asked, "I was in Hungary and saw the price of Euro 95 petrol is one Euro per liter. How is this helping?"
1: It's not, <laughs> you know. It's not. I mean, I had this discussion until um, until yesterday. Um, uh, Unfortunately, the European Union as a whole and the different member states have been subsidizing um, certain fuels and has been subsidizing, for example, fossil fuels. And this brings me to um, another issue, which is linked to what uh, you are working on. Because many times people tell you renewables are still very expensive. And it doesn't pay me to actually um, uh, get electricity from renewables. It pays us more to get electricity from fossil fuels. But unfortunately, many of our member states are, until today, subsidizing fossil fuels. Right. And when they should be subsidizing that kind of technology, which is what we actually need if want to go towards the carbonization and this brings me also to this um, issue of pricing of fuel right. but we have seen also from a number of studies that you can um, pay less in the longer term when it comes to zero emission vehicles um, our EU as a continent the organization for electricity is um, pre- They have this provision that until 2045, they will be um, decarbonized as an industry. But we've seen also as well that prices of electricity um, vary in the different member states. And in some member states, the price of an electric vehicle, for example, would be less than an internal combustion engine when it comes to um, expenses on fuels. And we're speaking about a solar vehicle. I mean, the answer is there. If you are using a, a solar vehicle, you will definitely pay much less than you would have to pay for a fossil fuel or for a fuel um, vehicle or an internal combustion engine.
0: Perhaps this price is also doing more to actually sort of uh, hinder the fossil fuel industry because, of course, they are deeply affected by the price itself and the profit margins that, that are associated with it. I have another question which is related, of course, uh, from Mohamed. And he was asking, when do you think the law will be enforced to stop all the polluting vehicles from the road? Or to take them away from the road?
1: Honestly, if we really want to be carbon neutral by 2050, and we know that in most of our member states, a vehicle has an average lifespan of around 15 years, then that would mean that by 2035, we would need to make sure that we do not have any new internal combustion engine vehicles. But, you know, I mean, it's easier said than done.
2: But what happens if such a vehicle then gets exported to, for example, India, and it still drives there for 15 years? Then we as Europe are carbon neutral or maybe even carbon negative, but other countries actually get our old cars. Is that a problem?
1: It's not only to third countries. As things stand today, we have cars, um, internal combustion engine, or dirty fuel cars being um, moved from Western to Eastern Europe. I believe that these things, but if I had to now to to refer to your question, um, uh, by these cars being exported to third countries, the European Union has to do its part. But this falls within also a global framework, because ultimately we have to make sure that um, there is a global framework where all the member states have their own targets that they have to reach. That is one um, solution to it. Another solution is to actually um, address the exports of these vehicles through certain policies.
0: Right. Of course, you've also discussed the things that you've been working on and uh, the current policy. What interests us as well is your personal steps. Um, You've achieved the 37.5%, which is a great great achievement, not just for the European Union, or for yourself, but for the for the world. What do you expect to be working on going forward? What results are you looking to, to achieve, given the complexity of the current uh, situation?
1: Well, definitely. Um, we're speaking about vehicles, but you can't have vehicles rolled out into the market if you do not have the proper infrastructure. So I will be looking out definitely for the infrastructure um, to accompany these uh, these vehicles. I will be looking also um, at the possibility of actually producing the batteries within the European Union rather than importing batteries um, from outside the European Union.
2: So, maybe also batteries. You're looking into production of batteries, but also in production of uh, solar, like PV, because we rely a lot on, on China and on PV. Are you also having plans to industry stimulation?
1: Definitely. I'm, I'm interested in making sure that we push forward certain products like vehicles, like battery, um, electric vehicles, like solar vehicles, but making sure then that the material that is required is not important from elsewhere, but seeing ways and means how to produce um, those things that we require here within the European Union.
0: I think we fully agree. I have one final question for you. If you have any advice for Lightyear, what do you think we should do or keep on doing? Besides besides bringing the car to Brussels, of course.
1: You have to bring the car to Malta as well. <laughs> to Malta,
2: okay. That's the next step.
1: <laughs> we have a lot of sun here, you know, so I think it would be the ideal place. Um, if I had to give one one piece of advice, guys, I mean, I think you're doing great. Just make sure that you continue doing what you're doing um, and get out there even more. Because ultimately, I would like your car to be one of those cars that consumers can look um, to as an alternative when they want to buy um, a new car. I find many times that people want to buy um, a zero or a low emission vehicle, but there are many, many obstacles along the way, either because uh, the car manufacturer or the car importer doesn't have the models that they want, either because it will take them like six to seven months to actually um, get the car from the moment they order it until it actually arrives. Um, it, it's it to them either because there aren't.
2: They also need to charge somewhere the car.
1: Uh-huh. So
2: they need charging infrastructure.
1: Charging infrastructure is another issue, which I mean, in your case, um, it would be one hassle less probably. Yeah, that's true. Um, but you know, there are, there are many obstacles along the way for people who want to go for these kind of cleaner models. And I would like to see light yeah being there with your offer of a solar vehicle so that consumers would really understand that there are many, many options that they can look into. Which would mean also that price-wise, you would need to produce and go into also a market which might not be um, too expensive with models which might also be more accessible to people.
0: We will, uh, Miriam. That's that's a great advice. And it's a fantastic conclusion. So Miriam, tremendous thanks for being here with us uh, today and spending time with us. For our listeners, were you inspired by this story or do you have any questions to Miriam, us or general questions? You can send a message to our socials or to our email address podcast at lightyear.one. And in the next episode of our podcast, we'll have an interesting guest that has been an essential force between a series industry disruptor and we'll tell you all about it very soon so thanks again stay safe yeah, thanks Miriam. it was a pleasure to have you thank you it's just great thank
1: you guys thanks
0: a lot and we'll definitely come to brussels yeah see you there and see you in malta Good. as well
1: and i'm looking looking forward to meet you
0: fantastic great. completely reciprocal thanks a lot